Hi everybody, it is Mark and my message today is entitled, Nearer Now Than When We First Believed, from Romans 13.8. Let me go ahead and read that scripture to you. I have it written out in my handwriting and I want to point out a couple words that we're going to emphasize, but Romans 13.11, did I say that? Romans 13.11 says this, the Apostle Paul writing, you know the time that the hour has come, and I'm going to underline time, the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. I'm starting a new series of messages that will be focusing on growing our understanding about the return of Jesus in order to better prepare us for the future events predicted in the Bible. Sometimes I go off script. Today I've typed out my words because I've thought about them very carefully and I really want you to focus on the words. I apologize if I'm looking down to my notes a little bit, but it's a, it's a critical time and I think it's a very good time to begin teaching. And it's not the first time I ever have, but it's an important time to talk about, uh, the events that are predicted to happen in the future. Why? One reason why is that every day we are getting nearer to our final salvation, which is our, our, the return of Jesus, our glorification, our resurrection bodies, life in heaven, however you want to call it. Um, this life is very important too, but I have read that upwards of 28% of the Bible is prophecy. 28%. Uh, and it kind of depends how you count things because there are psalms that are even quoted in the New Testament that are prophetic. And when we say prophecy, we're talking about two things. Prophecy is a foretelling of what God says, and it is a foretelling of what God says. A foretelling is the fact that God knew the end from the beginning, and he gave us free will, and yet he is, is all-powerful, all-present, and all-knowing. And part of his all-knowingness is that he can see the future. We cannot. And so the Bible, in writing down things that were to happen in the future, I'll give you an example. When God covenanted with Abraham, he told him that his family, his descendants, the great nation that would come from him, would spend uh, 400 years in, in, in a land and in slavery, okay? So that happened in Egypt, and God told Abraham ahead of time, but he said, but it's going to be okay, because I'm going to bring you back to this land, and everything will be all right. You're going to have a son, and you know, the, the whole shebang. So that's its own story. But God tells us things so that we would be ready, and it also is the self-authentication of the message of the Bible, because it is the only document, even though there's other you know, things out there, prophecies that people talk about, like Nostradamus, and uh, in the Catholic Church, the, uh, the the Malachi prophecies about the, the popes, the, the supposedly the last pope, things like that. I digress. But the Bible repeatedly prophesies about different things, and a lot of it has to do with the return of Christ, which has not yet been fulfilled. So it's very exciting for the believer to go to prophecy. More important than the foretelling is the foretelling of God's word because it tells us to not be afraid. So teaching about future events in the Bible reminds us that time is short.
before the return of Christ. And some people might say, yeah, but Christians have been saying that for 2,000 years. Uh, totally. God in his mercy and his goodness has been holding off on the end so that more and more people would come into the kingdom and receive that blessed gift of salvation. And we are so blessed that he has held off. We are currently living through a period of unique challenge in the world and America as we celebrate this Memorial Day, 2020, in a time of national and global uncertainty due to the government response to coronavirus. You know this. There are elements of our crisis which are revealing that some Christians are asleep or apathetic to certain realities in our rapidly changing world. Now, this was true in the past, it's true now, and it will be true in the future. But there are some interesting things that um, are, while some believers are asleep, some non-believers are being woken up to certain spiritual realities due to events which cannot be ignored. Um, one of the events is just the fact that when we realize our life is uncertain, we all have this fate of either dying and, and uh, facing judgment, or Jesus will return, and it will be a great surprise to people who aren't prepared. But let me name just a couple specific stories that I came across this morning as I record this that kind of pique our interest. First story, as I record this this morning, we learned that last night, First Pentecostal Church of Holly Springs, Mississippi, was vandalized in response to being a congregation that did not follow their state's lockdown of churches in response to COVID-19. The vandalism resulted in the building, the church building, burning and may have been intentional arson. A message was spray painted on the parking lot reading this. I bet you stay home now, you hypocrites. The church was outspoken in asserting their First Amendment right to peaceably assemble. Second story. An emergency room physician named Dr. Uh, Simone, if I'm saying her name right, Simone uh, Gold, has formed a group of medical professionals across America named a doctor a day who are raising awareness of the fact that great medical harm is being done to Americans as almost all attention and medical resources have been almost exclusively focused upon COVID-19. 600 physicians have sent a letter to President Trump informing him of the full implications of a continued shutdown. Among the unintended consequences that these physicians are uh, concerned about are the following. Suicide hotline phone calls have increased 600%. 150,000 Americans per month who have had, who would have had, uh, new cancer detected through routine screenings had not been screened during this crisis. Preventable cases of stroke, heart attacks, and child abuse have occurred. Elective surgeries, which are necessary for the care of countless patients, have been postponed, such as surgery for cancers, brain aneurysms, brain tumors, heart transplants, liver transplants, stroke, and more. Dr. Jeffrey Bark, a primary care physician in Newport Beach, California, states this. He says, the reality is that we are way past the time where being locked down makes any scientific or medical sense. 
Now, these are just two stories, two examples of the fact that we're currently going through a period of rapid change in America in this current crisis. And whether you disagree with the viewpoint presented here or agree with it, I don't think that anyone can disagree with the fact that apart from perhaps the 9-11 events, we're going through a period of the most rapid societal and cultural change that we've ever, ever experienced in our lifetime, at least those of us who are about my age. I don't know what it was like to go through the JFK assassination or Pearl Harbor, but I think that this would be right up there with those, those instances that I've mentioned. Some people predict that there will be a new normal for our society and that we as a culture, a nation, and perhaps a globe will be forever different. Others desire for a return to normal, but one thing is certain, the COVID-19 response is having a large impact upon every part of our lives. Employment, business, entertainment, finances, church, family, travel, technology, media, shopping, communication, politics, community, and on and on. You can probably think of more things to add to that list, right? So now is a very important time for believers to be awake. Throughout the New Testament, Christians are called upon to be awake and not sleeping, just like you can see here in this verse. But why? Let me ask you this as I erase this scripture, but we're going to remember it. We're going to remember this idea of being awake, not sleeping, and the time being very important. So you got to think for a moment, why is it important in the Bible to be awake and not sleeping? Well, we're going to look at a couple scriptures and I'll, I'll put it up here to let you know where I'm reading from. First of all, I'm going to read from Matthew uh, 24, verses 42 through 44. And it reads like this. This is Jesus himself speaking in what we call the Olivet Discourse, meaning he was speaking on the Mount of Olives just outside Jerusalem. And he says this, he says, therefore, stay awake for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must be ready for the son of man, that's him, is coming at an hour you do not expect. And so this is repeated throughout the New Testament as a picture of what it will be like when Jesus returns. What's the idea? People are going to be surprised when he returns. But let me, I'll give you a heads up. Uh, people who are spiritually awake won't be surprised. They'll be expecting it. And I'll give you a scripture to back that up. Uh, another scripture. Uh, Luke 21, Luke 21 verses 34 through 36 says this. And again, this is Jesus talking and he says this, but watch yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares for this life. 
And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times. Okay, there's, I mean, Scripture's beautiful, how it all, you know, uh, reinforces itself. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Now, this is a remarkable scripture that I've just read because it says, why do we stay awake? It's so that we will escape, okay? It says, and I'll I'll go back, but I'm going to write escape on here because it's very important. Escape. This is a very important reason why Christians stay spiritually awake. He says, so that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place. So let me give you a story. When Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he wanted James and John and Peter to stay awake and pray with him, he said, he said couldn't you just stay awake for an hour? Uh, and he told his disciples, he said that uh, the Spirit's willing but the flesh is weak. We in our spirit, the Holy Spirit, but also our portion that agrees with the Holy Spirit, you know, our free will, our mind, our heart, everything, has to be awake. In other words, we need to be alert, sober-minded, realize what, what's happening. In this scripture here in Luke 21, the sleepiness is associated, the spiritual sleepiness is associated with this. Uh, your heart's weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life such that the day comes upon you like a trap. So when people are in their spirit, so invested in their fame, their education, their bank account, their, you know, whatever it is, it's not that all those things are, are evil, but God calls us to be, you know, tuned in to Him, to love Him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and our our neighbor as ourself. And so, to be spiritually awake is to be about the business of the Lord, to be worshiping the Lord, to be focused upon Him. So, here's a theory that I have: Could it be that if this crisis continues and we see an actual economic depression in America? that more and more people will have their idols taken from them. If the stock market tanks, if their job, if they don't have a job, if their savings dry up, uh, if there's actual problems with uh, food availability and, and other limitations placed upon our lives, what this does for the Christian is, is, is we cry out to God. We think of that promise from Second Chronicles 7.14 where God says, If my people who are called by my name, uh, if I better, instead of quoting it, sometimes I can just quote this, but I'm going to read it to you. I, I might be able to, uh, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. There, I did it. I'm, are you proud? That's a, a patting myself on the back. But more important than knowing it is doing it, that we would turn from our wicked ways, that we would cry out to the Lord and repent not only for our sin, uh, first of all, but then secondly, for the sins of our nation and for the sins of the world. And and God isn't counting Second Corinthians chapter 5. God isn't counting our trespasses 
the trespasses of the world against us, he's bidding us as ambassadors of reconciliation to just to just wake up and realize that God is there, he loves us, he's for us, and he wants to rescue us. Um, so this idea of escape, that if we're prepared for the return of the Lord, we are going to escape. So I'm going to do a little bit of a Bible study in, in just a second too, that I don't have scripted, but think about this and ask the question, escape what? What is it that Christians are going to be escaping from? I'm actually going to take this whole series of messages to answer that question. But it's a very important question because if you're looking for the answer to that, when we go to the scriptures, you'll see the answer to that. Um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1 through 6. I'm going to read that to you. 1 Thessalonians, you can turn there, chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. Right before this, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it talks about the rapture of the church, the return of Christ, how it's going to be accompanied with a great uh, trumpet blast and angels and the voice of an archangel. And then in chapter 5, which, you know, Paul didn't write it with different chapters. We threw those on there, kind of like having addresses on the street so we'd know where to go. Um, but I'll go ahead and read these verses. Paul says this, now concerning the times and seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. But as Christians today, we are sure glad that Paul wrote this down, right? Because if he didn't, we would have less information. Uh, verse 2, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord speaks of the, the, the day of his coming, the day of reckoning, um, the day of judgment in that there's a division where people can't, uh, once Christ shows up over the eastern sky of Jerusalem, everybody will know with their actual eyes. They will realize those Christians that were talking about the return of Jesus, I thought they were crazy. But now at that point, all the nations of the earth will become the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, or as the Jews call him, Yeshua HaMashiach, Yeshua the Messiah, and he will literally reign the affairs of men and women all over the globe from his capital in Jerusalem, and it will be an entirely new order in the affairs of men. We believe this as believers because it is prophesied. It is spoken about in the scriptures. So let me go back to verse 2. Uh, For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. So Paul is just repeating what Jesus had taught. A thief in the night. In other words, people are surprised. They're shocked. What? It's not that Jesus is the thief in the night. It's that he comes with that kind of surprise that a lot of people will be caught unaware. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. So this is where it gets interesting. The Christian is awake or at least called to be awake, spiritually aware, in the word, in prayer, and just mindful of spiritual reality. 
And some people won't escape. But Paul says, but you're not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. So what Paul is actually teaching in 1 Thessalonians is that we won't know the exact day or the hour, but we as believers will be totally expecting it to happen. In fact, there is early church teaching that early church fathers taught that the church will know the Antichrist when he shows up. And I'll get to that in a bit. Uh, some of this now, like that little tidbit, Christians begin to have differences of understanding of end times events. But uh, I have come across that. Verse 5, For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. Okay? So, Paul says this state of awakeness is being sober. So again, let me ask you, for believers, what is it that we're going to escape? Well, I'll just read uh, from one portion of the scriptures, more from Jesus in chapter 24, and we'll just pull out some things that we're going to be escaping from. And this will be the, uh, we'll wrap up this message and I'll, I'll encourage you at the end. Uh, Jesus says, Matthew 24, verse 4, uh, see that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. So one thing that we escape is being deceived, being deceived. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars that uh, see that you are not alarmed, for this mu must take place, but the end is not yet. Okay, so when we as believers, we have been living in war ever since uh, Cain killed Abel, but it would appear that there's going to be an increase. And so what's the response of the believers? We won't be alarmed. Uh, over in Luke, I think it's chapter 21, uh, Jesus says, when you see all these things, uh, lift up your heads because your redemption draweth nigh, according to the King James. In other words, your redemption is coming near. And I'll just go on. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation, and what tribulation is, is it's a trial. It's trouble that has to be endured. And put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Okay, so... What are we escaping there? Are we escaping tribulation? Are we escaping the trouble? Some people say yes. And they say that Christians will be raptured out of the earth before a seven-year period of tribulation. And that Christ returns with a secret rapture. And then there's seven years of trouble. And at the end of it, the Antichrist is destroyed by Christ. Um, I'm not going to get it into it in too much detail, but whether Jesus returns during this tribulation at the beginning, or in the middle, or at the end, believers need to be prepared to go through the tribulation because we don't exactly know when Christ will come back. But if you as a believer think that you're going to escape all trouble, all tribulation, and then we begin to go through intense persecution, 
people losing their lives, then you won't be ready to, uh, you could be deceived, okay? Does that make sense? You won't escape, possibly, uh, to endure this whole time. Let me continue on here. Um, verse 10 of Matthew 24. And then many will fall away or stumble and betray one another and hate one another. Now this could be talking about Christians, that Christians will stumble, fall away, betray one another, and hate one another. It could just be talking about all the peoples of the earth. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Now here's where the danger is, okay? Danger of deception. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. So this goes back to the idea of escaping. The one who endures till the end will escape judgment, will escape condemnation. And we have already in Christ because of the cross. He purchased that redemption for us already, and it's already ours, but we do not want to be deceived by the events of the end time. And he goes on in verse 14 of Matthew 24. I'm in Matthew 24 right now. Verse 14, he says... And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So I'm going to leave it right there. Jesus is saying there's going to be a lot of bad things happening, but believers need to endure to the end, and it will be a time of amazing witnessing of the gospel as Christians bear testimony of where our hope really is. It is not in the things of this earth. It is in Christ and Christ alone. And no matter what we go through, uh, people who are trusting in the Lord will escape deception. They will escape, even though if they go through suffering, in their inner heart, they're going to escape, okay? The, the lies of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Let me close with this thought. I was given a paper by uh, Dear Sister Lucy with a scripture on it, which I think is very appropriate for this time. And it says this, See that you, Ephesians 5, uh, verse 15 through 17, See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So during this time, let us use this as believers as a time to draw close to the Lord, as a time to study about the Lord's return, to encourage one another, to bless one another, and to be ready. So let me pray for you. Father, I pray that as the time draws near for us to uh, to see you face to face, that we would be totally prepared for that day, that we would, the scriptures talk about purifying ourselves. I think that's in uh, Second. Corinthians chapter 7, that everyone who has this hope in you purifies himself just as you're pure. So, Father, the doctrine of your coming, your return to the earth is very important, and you are calling us to be a radiant bride who escape the corruption of the world, the flesh, and the devil by being a people who are faithful, who are watchful, who are pure. So, Father, help us that if there's things we need to let go of during this time that aren't of you, that we would freely let go of those things. If there's things we need to repent of, if there's things that we need to receive and be aware of and be encouraged and, and stoked 
and revived, then Lord, we receive that in Jesus' name. And I pray that your peace would continue to rest. And I know it, it will because you've promised this. You say uh, to us, and I believe it's John 14, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, but I do give you peace. So Lord, we receive that peace today through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we pray once again, Lord, transform our minds. Help us to be ready to see you, to hear the trumpet call, and to be caught up in the air uh, where we will join you in uh, the beginning of the, uh, the literal millennial reign of Christ on planet Earth. So God bless us, please, Lord. And God bless you. Thank you for tuning in today. And uh, be well. Thank you.